the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today's kind of exciting uh, for a lot of reasons. It's always exciting on Saturday because I get to be with you guys. That's exciting. I get to share a meal with you. That's exciting. We're actually starting a new book. Won't be there long. It's kind of like some of the towns in Texas. If you blink, you might miss it. But it is a great book, and God has a word for us in it. This book is Philemon comes right after Titus and right before Hebrews, for those of you who didn't know it was in there. And it is a book that is clearly underappreciated by many preachers and teachers, probably because of its brevity and because it's a personal letter to an individual. I would also like to add that it is a picture, a demonstration, a clear unfolding of what God intended forgiveness to be. Now, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we'll likely complete this letter in our next study. As I mentioned, this is about the work of forgiveness, and it's an insight into our Father God. Jesus gave us a beautiful picture of the Father's heart in forgiveness in the story of the prodigal son. I'm sure most of you are familiar with that in Luke 15. And I'm going to summarize that for you real quickly. It's about a wealthy landowner and his two sons, the youngest of which decided he wanted more out of life than just working for his father. He wanted to escape the responsibilities of being a son. He did not want to live in obedience to his father anymore. It was too constricting. So he came to his father and he asked for his inheritance so he could go to a far country and live with rich self-indulgence. That's really what it was about. Free and self-indulgent. So the father sorrowfully yields to his request and the son leaves. Now, in time, the boy spent all of his money on self-indulgence and found himself starving and working in a pigsty. Now, in this place, he came to himself. The Bible says he came to himself, and he remembered that his father's servants were living better than he is. And so he decides to return to his father and beg for a place among the servants because he's not really expecting to be forgiven. And when his father's land comes into view, 
His father sees him and runs out to him. I mean, lifts up his robes. They had long robes back then. Lifts him up and literally runs across the field to him. And he catches his son up in an embrace and begins to kiss him about the neck. And he puts his robe on his son's back and his ring on the boy's finger and proclaimed, this is my son. Now that's how God forgives. It is extravagant. It is without reservation. And when the boy returned to his father, his father ran to him. And I want you to notice in this picture of forgiveness, the father did not see the return of a treacherous, selfish, wicked boy who had proven that he was not to be trusted. A wicked boy that had financially jeopardized the family business and shamed the family name. He did not weigh out the appropriate consequences for such behavior. He did not tell the boy he was forgiven. That was interesting to me. He didn't tell the boy that he was forgiven in order to let the boy know that he had chosen to set aside all the wrong that the boy had done in order to be accepted. Well, of course, I would do that. I just want you to know that I'm forgiving you. You see the heart behind that so many times. He didn't say, I forgive you. No, he lavished on him the fullness of his love. Because he didn't see the return of the rebellious, treacherous, selfish boy. The father saw the child, the heir, the one he loved fully and unreservedly. That's who he saw. Now listen, in order for us to function in the truth, we have to stop looking at one another like flesh. We have to start seeing one another the way God sees us. And in order for us to embrace the very concept of love and forgiveness, it has to be seen in light of who we are in Christ and in light of who they are in Christ. It must change. Forgiveness like love and all the expressions of God's character have been counterfeited by the flesh in order to make them a product of man's determination. And as we seek to produce these counterfeits, their frailty and weakness are revealed. Many marry for what they believe to be love, only to find that it to be a passing emotion or a waning passion due to familiarity. This counterfeit cannot stand the test of selfishness and pride. The problem being that they have wrongly defined love. Others have found that like love, the resolve to forgive is weak and gives way to the memory of the wounds endured and the fear of the future injury. Why? Because they have wrongly defined forgiveness. As we will see, when God calls His children to the expression of His character, He is calling us out of the flesh and into the context of our Christianity, our spirituality. The failure of the Christian to live the Christian life, to express the character and ministry of Christ, to love, to forgive, has nothing to do with the weakness of the flesh, but our unwillingness to live from his strength. Now, to give you some background concerning the letter of Philemon, the letter to Philemon was written during Paul's first imprisonment in Rome. It was written while he was under house arrest on the palace grounds of Caesar, and chained between two Roman guards. And Paul was there for about two years. That's in Acts 28. And it was also during this time that Paul wrote Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians, 
And in both Ephesians and Colossians, the matter of forgiveness is featured. Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, Be kind and helpful to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, understanding, forgiving one another, readily and freely, just as God also forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, Bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgiving each other if one has cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you should forgive. Now I want you to notice that in both of those verses, your capacity to forgive is based on the forgiveness that you have received. Not to imitate Not to duplicate, but to express it from who you are. Now let's look at our text. Would you please stand with me as we read our text? Philemon, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, and our brother Timothy. To Philemon, our dearly beloved brother and fellow worker, and to your wife, Aphia, our sister, and to... Archippus, our fellow soldier in ministry, and to the church that meets in your house. Grace to you and peace, inner calm and spiritual well-being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, God's people. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective and powerful because of your accurate knowledge of everything good which is ours in Christ. For I have had great joy and comfort and encouragement from your love because the hearts of the saints, God's people, have been refreshed through you, my brother. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. In the beginning of this, Paul identifies himself as a prisoner for the sake of Christ. And this is Paul's, actually his fourth prison letter. And as we have pointed out in the study of the other prison letters, Paul, Paul's context for life is not in the flesh. It's not in his circumstances. He sees himself first and foremost as a child of God living out of the plan of God. He is in prison because it is God's plan, not because of his enemies. It was not a case of bad luck or being in the wrong place at the wrong time. It wasn't due to a series of bad choices or just penalty for his action. It was the work of God. It was God's work in the tapestry of life that put Paul exactly where God wanted him to be. You ask the question about where you are today, the circumstances that you're facing. Did you reckon upon the fact that God permits what he could prevent? That God allows what he could prevent? That you are, in fact, in the hands of the sovereign God who directs, who guides who has a greater interest in shaping and molding your life, a life that he literally gave his son for, than you do. He loves you more than you could possibly love yourself. I know that's hard to believe. And he desires you more than you desire your own will. He's given everything. What God 
eternal, omnipotent God calls most valuable in all of creation and in all of spiritual existence. His very son, he gave him over not just to die but to be abused for your sake. Many people think God doesn't love me. Well, we have the Son of God to bear testimony of the truth of his love for you. We are never in the captivity of men. Even when we are held prisoner by the will of men, we are held by the hand of God. And this life for the Christian is us taking paths which he has set so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Paul was not chained to his circumstances or held by the will of men. While Paul was in that prison, he was bringing the gospel before Caesar's household. Something no other Christian had been allowed to do. Would Paul have been able to see this miraculous ministry unfold if he were embittered by his chains? Would he? If he was blinded by his victimization? Or how this potentially could limit his ability to spread the gospel. Do you see that though he was unjustly treated and wrong, if Paul can only see himself, then he could not see how God would use him to bring his word, his life to those who might not hear. Let me tell you something. The activity of God is not limited to the work of preachers and missionaries and and laymen. Every child of God is in the plan of God and the activity of God is around him, through him, and working by him. That's scriptural in case you wanted to know. He is active in your life. Oh, you think that you somehow may avoid him. You think that somehow your journey into the far country is going to lift you out of the sovereignty of God. But I want to tell you that you do not move forward, backwards, or sideways except God allows it. And we know from Romans 8.28 that all things are working together for good for those of us who are called according to his purpose. If you're a child of God, you've been called according to his purpose. You are his elect. Paul is pointing to Philemon and he says to Philemon, I want you to look beyond yourself. Beyond the wrong, beyond the injustice, to the will and purposes of God. Paul mentions also that Timothy's present. Many people believe that's because Timothy was the heir apparent of Paul's ministry. But Paul begins this letter with a very warm greeting to Philemon and his family. Now, Philemon was a relatively wealthy convert who lived in Colossae. And he was a convert of Paul's, and this likely occurred in Ephesus, because Paul actually never went to Colossae, even though a church was founded there. Colossae was a small village not far from Ephesus. Paul founded the church in Ephesus and discipled the people there, as we studied this, for three years. And it was out of the church of Ephesus that all other churches in Asia Minor were founded, including the church in Colossae. And the church in Colossae actually worshipped in the home of Philemon. Verse 2. And he sends his greetings and he says, And to your wife, Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier in the ministry, and to the church that meets in your house. 
Now, as the Amplified points out, Aphia is the wife of Philemon, and Archippus is believed to be the older son who was also in the ministry. And Paul wanted this letter to be read to the church for a number of reasons. One being the demonstration of the character of God's forgiveness that transcends even the observable wickedness of man. And second, Paul wanted this small fellowship to receive when Onesimus was brought forward with the same love and warmth that it would receive the Apostle Paul. Verse 3, Grace to you and peace, inner calm and warm spiritual being from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace was the customary apostolic greeting and it had purpose. It combined the greeting of the Gentile, charis, which is grace, with the Jewish greeting, shalom, which was peace, in addition to naming the Jesus as the Son of God. It was the ever the intention of God that we continuously see demonstrated in the life of the apostle and his saints that we are no longer divided by flesh. We're not divided by flesh. The division that we seek, that we hold on to according to the flesh is no true division in the mind of God. You're either born of Adam or you're born of Christ. If you're born of Christ, then you're part of a spiritual body. And those who belong to that spiritual body do not suffer any separation from the mutual life of Christ. So what Paul points out, even in that simple greeting, is that while we may not all believe the same, and we certainly don't all look the same, grace to you, that we are the same in Christ. Now you can begin to see how forgiveness works its way in there. You can begin to see how love is woven into the truth of that because love, as I said the other night, love is the circulatory system to the body of Christ that carries with it life and depth and vitality to every part of the body. Grace and peace. Galatians 3.28 There is now no distinction in regard to salvation, neither Jew nor Greek. There is no, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you who believe are all one in Christ Jesus. No one can claim a spiritual superiority. It is a fact that how you see yourself affects how you see others. To see yourself as superior, you have to see someone else as being inferior, don't you? These external distinctions affect our capacity to love or forgive. But there is no such limitations for those who see themselves as the spiritual children of God. Verses 4 and 5. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, God's people. Now notice that he refers to everyone as saints. And you know, I remember growing up, I always made the comment, no, I'm no saint. But if you're a child of God, you're referred to as saint. In fact, Paul refers to to every child of God is a saint, and everyone who is not a child of God is called a sinner, lost, okay? One says that their actions, their activity, their behavior is who they are. 
The other one makes a very clear distinction between your behavior and your identity. I think God is always is in present tense. And Paul is letting Philemon know that he is happy to bring him before the Lord. That every time he thinks of Philemon, he's grateful to God for him. He sees Philemon as God's blessing. Philemon as the instrument of God's love and his faith as an encouragement to the apostle. I mean, do you see how huge that is? To have the apostle Paul say, you know what? You gladden my heart. The demonstration of your faith and of the ministry that you have among the people gladdens my heart. It is Paul who declares that Philemon is demonstrating the love of God. And that word for love there is agape. He is demonstrating the love of God in the way he touches the lives of others. Philemon was an example of faith to the apostle. The faith which Philemon has towards the Lord Jesus and the saints. So notice the origin of that faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you have been personally taught by God to love one another. That is, to have an unselfish concern for others, to do things for their benefit. I want you to understand, as most of you do, that love is not something that the flesh can generate. It's only something that they can give a pale imitation to. But the love of God is immovable and unchangeable. In fact, 1 John tells us that the love of God is who he is. It is the presiding point of his character. It literally affects every other aspect of his character. It comes forward in justice. It comes forward in his righteousness, in everything. He is love. Now, the thing we have to recognize as God declares himself as being love is that when we entered into his life, when we entered into the union that we have with Christ, we literally took that on. It became part of who we are. But the problem for the Christian is this. We let the world define those things for us. We let the world take everything that is unique and fully God and bring an imitation that can be somehow brought forward in the flesh. So here's the thing. As a preacher, I can sit up here and say, say you must love one another. And most people will be thinking, well, I'm not sure how I can do that. But why would they ask that question? Because they've tried and failed. Because they have sought to bring love or to visit love upon somebody else. And as soon as they don't act lovable, well, it's gone. God's not telling you to imitate his love. God's not telling you to shape and mold your flesh in his image. God is telling you that I have given you, I have put in you my son, which is the very manifestation of my love. Yield to him. Let him be to you, to your, even to your enemies, everything that I've called you to. Paul writing to Philemon, he says, Through his faith in the Christ is, is the demonstration of God's love to the people. So great 
and remarkable is this love that even in prison, Paul is hearing of it. And Paul is hearing about Philemon, but he's recognizing Jesus. Paul wouldn't be impressed by the work of a man. Paul is impressed by the manifestation of something greater than flesh. The supernatural exercise of something that a man cannot imitate. To love where he is not loved. To forgive where he has been injured. To live out Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in a powerful way, in a supernatural way. Did you know that's what you have been called to, Christian? Not to do the very best to recreate yourself in God's image. Not to strive and try to become something that you think God's going to be pleased with. Not by all of your efforts can you even possibly hope to attain any success in that level. You've been called, literally, through your union with Christ, to be the ministry of Christ with the Father's love. With the Father's forgiveness, with the Father's character. Everything that you would reach for is in Him. This is not the affection of the flesh that Paul's referring to. This is not based on mutual admiration. This is man's life revealing the love of God for others. This is the love of the Father that greeted the returning prodigal. This is the love that gave an unqualified reception to the repentant. Verse 6. Paul writes, I pray that the sharing of your faith become effective and powerful because of your accurate knowledge of every good thing which is ours in Christ. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.